You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The Romans, chapter number three. Uh, what a great day so far. Amen. I sure appreciate uh, each of you being here and everybody who has uh, just, just being here, you contribute to the service, but we look forward to what God has for us today. And Romans chapter number 3 is going to be our text today. Have you ever asked this question? It's the question I want to kind of preach on and hopefully answer a little bit today. What's wrong with people? What's wrong with people? You ever ask that question? What in this world is wrong with people? Uh, now, one of the things about asking that question is, I must admit, I've had to ask this a time or two myself, even about myself, Amen. What is my problem? What is wrong with people? Well, that's kind of a broad answer. And of course, there's, uh, you could go in pretty, uh, a lot of depths to this question from a philosophical standpoint, whatever you want to say. But folks, I want to submit to you this morning that at the heart of the answer to all the questions you may have to answer what's wrong with people, I want to say at the heart of all that is three little letters, or maybe three big letters, S-I-N. Sin. And you just think about it. You can't even say the word sin without hearing the hiss of the serpent. Sin is at the heart of what is wrong with people today. And when I say people, I mean all people. That includes each of us who are sitting here today. And so, uh, without any further delay, I want to get right into Romans chapter number 3 and just try to share the Word of God with you today. Romans chapter number 3, verses 9 through 10. And we'll begin with, the Bible says, What then? Are we better than they? And by the way, he's talking about religious folks there. No, in no wise. He's talking about Jews in particular. We have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, please help our hearts to receive your message. We are all sinners here today. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I pray if there's anyone here today who has yet to deal with their sin uh, properly, God, that they will turn to you today, uh, repent of their sin, and be saved by the grace of God. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. So what's wrong with people? Number one, the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that men are unrighteous. And when I say men, ladies, don't say amen too loudly because, of course, we mean mankind. There is none righteous. The Bible says there in verse number 9 that we're all under sin. The Bible says, skip down with me to verse number 23, which we'll get to in just a moment. But verse number 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, man is incapable of doing that which is right in the sight of Almighty God. And what I'm trying to tell you today is simply this. It's not that we can't do right that we, you know, in man terms, but we're talking about in terms of righteousness before God Almighty. We're talking about in terms of our relationship with God Almighty. There is none righteous. Now this is illustrated in a very vivid, and it's illustrated in a very sad book, black with apostasy, 
and foul with immorality right within the pages of this Bible in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a terrible testimony of what happens among the nations of Israel as they sacrifice their children, as they rape and plunder and murder. But there's an amazing phrase that's connected with the book of Judges. We're talking about righteousness now. And here's what it says. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You ever thought about that? Every man, so the raping, the killing of infants, the killing of children, the murder, they were not doing what was wrong in their eyes. They were doing that which was right in their eyes. You ever thought about that? You say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous, but that's exactly what they did. And I'm telling you, man, you think about it. We see this illustrated in the world around us in the same ways today and more. People actually think that abortion, infanticide, I mean, we, we have, you know, governors, we have politicians, educated people. By the way, these politicians, many of them are religious people of some sort. And we have, we have them fighting tooth and nail to be able to pass a law to where a woman can give birth to a child and then you can kill it after it comes out of the womb. And they think that's right. I think about the children among us. I, I think about Jaron. One of our dear children in this church with Down syndrome. They think it's right to exterminate anyone like that. Exterminate anyone who would be any kind of extra burden on society. They do that which is right in their own eyes. So it includes abortion, infanticide, and really abortion is infanticide, uh, is, is, a, is a, a better term. Listen, to the point to where, to where many government schools today, uh, many government schools today in our nation believe it is right for a little girl to be able to go to the guidance counselor and tell their guidance counselor that they're pregnant and they think it's right to take that girl to get an abortion without parental consent. And the parents never being the wiser of it. They, that's what they believe. That's right to them. Did you realize that human traffickers justify what they do? Uh, did you know that people think that pornography... And I want, to, I want to tell you three things that fall in kind of a category together. Pornography, pedophilia, sexual perversion. There's people that think that stuff's right. There's people who celebrate it. There's people who are proud about it. And let me just warn you right down, you mark right now, you mark my words. The whole love is love, little rainbow deal. Let me tell you what that will include in the days to come and already does include among many people. And it is pedophiles. Love is love after all. And I'm telling you, there's people that absolutely justify pornography, uh, sexual human trafficking. They say this stuff is right. Now, I'm giving you some extreme examples, but I'm just simply trying to say that man tries to say that things are right that are not right. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says this, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now someone may say, Now who are you, preacher, 
Just exactly, as a Christian, they may even ask you, who do you think you are to stand up and proclaim what's right and what's wrong? What makes you so high and mighty and better than everyone else? Well, I'm glad you asked the question because it gets to the point. I am not better than anyone else. I am not better than the worst of the people that we mentioned to you today. I'm not. Uh, I mean, no, I'm not. But So the right that I have today is I'm just simply being a messenger. I'm just simply taking the clear Word of God and proclaiming the truth of God's Word to you. Because that's our job. Speak the Word. We need to speak the truth in love. And that's what I'm doing today. But folks, when you try to speak in love but you're not speaking any truth, you're missing something, aren't you? Hey, I want a doctor that loves me. I love a doctor with good bedside manner, don't you? And that treats me with respect and, you know, acts like I matter and all that. But honestly, I hope that dude still, if, 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 he, if he treats me that way because he's a loving guy, that's great. But uh, what if he loves me so much he don't want to tell me that I got cancer? What if he loves me so much that he doesn't want to tell me that if I don't change my lifestyle, I'm going to die an early death? That if I don't straighten out some of the habits and stuff in my life, that I'm going to die. He loves me. What if a doctor loved me too much? Wouldn't you love that kind of doctor? Well, that's what kind of preacher people want. That's that's, That's how people want us to be today. Because I'm telling you right now, sin is far worse than any cancer or physical malady. Far worse. What it does to a person. And so, there's a way which seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, I am only proclaiming what God has already said. The man you see before you today is an unrighteous sinner who's been forgiven and saved by the grace of God. I am not better than one person you've ever met or even heard of. Now, I may be a lot better off, and if you, comp- if you use human standards, I may be better. But... Uh, The fact of the matter is, it is God who gets to set this standard. And you need to be wise, Christian, because what you need to understand, I started off talking about some extreme cases of our society, but what you need to understand is there's a lot, and it is a growing, matter of fact, sadly to say, some of the fastest growing, huge, air quote, unquotes, churches that are growing within our country today are those who do not believe that sin is sin who do not believe that Jesus is the only way. And they're totally buying in to a lot of Marxist and leftist ideas that come straight from the pits of hell. And, uh, and so you need to be, be aware, child of God. Somebody says things like this, Well, my God would never condemn somebody in their sin. My God would never let someone go to hell. Well, maybe your God wouldn't because your God doesn't exist. But folks, the God of this Bible, listen, I am not here to be God's public relations person. I'm really not. I want to represent God well. I want to have a testimony for Christ. But when it comes down to it, I'm here just to say what thus saith the Word of God. So God is the one who sets the standard. And and, and that's kind of one of the definitions, by the way, of sin. You need to be prepared. Child of God, I hope you're talking to people about Christ. I hope you're trying to invite people to church. I hope you're trying to invite people to Jesus. But there's a, you need to be prepared for this. Young folks, you need to be prepared for this. You may even have this question. But, Murray, you may say to somebody, hey, the Bible says you've sinned. We've all sinned. You know the question you need to be prepared for? What sin? 
I was asked that question by a 14-year-old boy that I was witnessing to, and it threw me off for a moment. What sin? Uh, how do you not know what sin is? But what, there's a few definitions, but this leads us to one definition here quickly. One definition is missing the mark. Notice Romans 3.23 again. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Missing the mark. This passage reminds us of God's absolute holiness. Hey, any of you ever watch a slam dunk competition? Hello! Y'all are still looking at me like, <laughs> let me get you back on my frequency here. Anybody? Maybe some of you haven't. But I know some of these hardheads are looking at me like, have y'all ever seen a slam dunk competition? Okay. Uh, now, and, 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 and at the risk of being like the old guy, you know, uh, the, man, whatever they do these days, some of the dunks, I mean, may, may, but they don't compare to back in the day, all right? But it probably will not surprise you to know that I have competed myself in several slam dunk contests. True story. Uh, one of the last slam dunk contests that I competed in, I tied. I believe I won that competition. It, boy, kids, you missed it. Actually, my kids didn't miss it. They were Some of them were there. At least the older two for sure were there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I competed and I tied and I believe it was, it was a big old youth rally. We rented out the YMCA and was uh, having a big uh, youth thing. There were several churches. All of a sudden, the pastor of the church... The pastor, Jeremy Simpson, now he's uh, maybe an inch or shorter than me, several pounds heavier than me. After the whole deal goes on, he makes all the kids, after we get done playing basketball, sit down. And he says, hey, me and Jesse's going to have a slam dunk contest and y'all judge. Wouldn't that be exciting? It wasn't my idea. So what lets me know that I won is he said we tied. Amen. And he was the pastor that was leading the thing. But anyway, now... The problem with my slam dunk competition, the reason you can't Google my slam dunk competition and watch it on YouTube, is that we did a couple of things. Number one, in my slam dunk contest, we lowered the standard. Just in case any Chad Whitaker was wondering, he's like, that dude's lying, man. I don't think he can dunk. I, I just could see it. I just don't think he can dunk. I can dunk on a seven-foot goal. These days, maybe a six-foot goal. I don't know. Um, but I've competed in many slam dunk competition, but I lowered the standard. I lowered the standard. So not only did I lower the standard, I lowered the goal, but also I lowered the standard of competition, but also we lowered the standard of character. Lowered the standard, standard of character. Murray, would you mind coming up here for a moment? Because I think I could still win a slam dunk competition. Matter of fact, you can leave it at seven feet. And guess what? I'm still going to beat you at a slam dunk competition. Do you believe that? Maybe. I think it's possible. I think I'd have a good chance. And maybe I wouldn't. Amen. Uh, that's all, buddy. I just wanted you to get the idea. Now, how many wants to see that? We ought to make a big day out of it, all right, and just, you know, slam dunk competition at church, big day, set out extra chairs out in the parking lot, Pastor Jesse versus Murray. Get somebody out to record this thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, 
So the point is that I could, I've, I've done well in some slam dunk competition, but the standard's been lowered. The competition has been lowered. The character's been lowered because it's other people like you and me, Murray. And maybe I'd be surprised. You might beat me. I don't know. But, but, but the character has been lowered. See, the fact of the matter is, is that's how it is for God. Man wants to lower the standard. But man's not the one who sets the standard. God is. And so you might be able to say today, oh, well, I'm killing it. I'm doing good. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. I'm living right. I'm doing so much better than other people. But folks, the, the standard is not other people. Number one, the standard, the 10-foot standard of the basketball goal. Um, we're not recording now. We're going live because I just want to say edit this. I've got a basketball goal in pieces out here that needs to be put in the ground, by the way. I just need to get at it. But, uh, but, but that 10-foot, God's 10-foot standard is absolute perfection. If you want to be right in the sight of God, there's only one way. Absolute perfection. So that's, the, that's the, uh, the competition, if you will. The character is this. Who am I competing against? I'm not competing against Murray. I'm competing against 1986 Michael Jordan. Not even close, actually, to that, because I'm competing with Jesus Christ. If I don't have... So God's absolute holiness, it, perfection is the standard. Jesus Christ Himself is the standard. Now bear with me. Uh, because that's, that's the fact. And by the way, somebody says, well, I've sinned, but I hadn't sinned as bad as other people. But other people, remember, they're not the competition, so to speak. They're not the comparison. Remember what I said? The first, uh, the first thing of uh, meaning of sin, or the first one I'll emphasize is missing the mark. Now, you'll have to bear with me once again, because I'm staying on sports for a moment. Uh, you ever, you ever watched an intense football game that all comes down to a field goal at the end of the game? And if you're a football fan and you've ever watched a football game on a, on a regular basis, I don't know how many times even on a Sunday this happens during football season, the game is hard fought, it's gone, and it all comes down to a guy being able to kick a ball through the field goal, through the uprights. And there has been many a game. If you're a Bears fan, a couple years ago it was hilarious. I mean, literally, I don't know how many games they lost with the ball bouncing off the upright. I mean, literally hitting the goal that it's supposed to go through and bouncing off. Or hitting, hitting, hitting here, hitting here, hitting here. Like literally this kicker was hitting it all over the place. Kept bouncing off. I mean, but now just imagine with me for a second. Imagine that they, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the field goal judges, they come out and say, they come out and do like this. They look at each other and they say, yeah, field goal, it's good. Well, the other coach will probably have a problem with that. But when he comes out, he says, whoa, 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 now, it didn't go in. But what if those judges says, yeah, but it was close. Can you imagine that? Imagine sports being played in that way. It would be total chaos. You know, I mean, uh, strikes, you know, whatever the case may be. There was the thing the other day. Literally just this week, there was two. It was an amazing thing. There was a Pittsburgh Pirate player, professional baseball player, Chad, that hit a ball over the fence. What do you call it generally when you hit a ball over the fence? A home run. And I'm talking about dead out there. I mean, it was a fair ball. He goes running around the bases and uh, gets to first base. I mean, he gets all the way, gets back to home. After a little bit later, the umpire comes out and does this number. 
You don't know what that means? It means out. You know what he did? He missed first base. Now he only missed first base by about that much. But he still missed it. But what if he would have said, well, wait, 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 wait. I was close. Can you imagine if life was that way? That doesn't make any sense. And by the way, can I add one more illustration to that, that particular illustration? Uh, or one more lesson to that? There's a lot of people that are out here trying to, there's a lot of people that, are want, that, that, that want to get baptized, join a church, try to start living a Christian life. But if you miss first base, and that's salvation, trust in Christ as Savior, you're out. I don't care how well you're running the bases. If you miss the very first base, if you miss the very first principle that you must trust Christ, you must turn to Him, believe on Him for salvation, you're out. Make sure you know Christ. There was another one I'll just share quickly just because I like talking about it. I probably should move on. Same thing. Last week, a college player hits a home run. Over the fences it goes. Jogs around those bases. And Chad, you'd have loved this. When it came, he got about six feet from home plate, and by this time he's facing his dugout doing this. Something to that effect. Runs out, goes back, gets in the dugout. Next batter comes up. Pitcher throws the pitch to the catcher. Catcher catches the ball, steps on home plate. He's out. Never touched home. Never touched home. He was close. But you see, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that simply, one of the things that sin is, is missing the mark. We all miss the mark. Every one of us. You may be doing better than me, but you're not doing better than Jesus. You may be living a good life, but you're not living a perfect, sinless life. And that's what's, uh, that's what's required. I mean, that, God requires perfect holiness. But notice this, and I'll try to give these to you quickly. Notice in verse number 11 here. The Bible says, There is none that understandeth. There is none that understandeth. Did you know that men are unreasonable? What's wrong with people? Number one, there's none righteous. Men are unrighteous. Number two, men are unreasonable. There is none that understandeth. You know, there's people that are amazing in knowledge and intellect, yet it is astounding what people believe in the name of religion. Isn't it? You know, who really puts a lot of stock in what a Hollywood actor says? I hope you don't raise your hand. God bless you if you do. That's your prerogative. But you know, a lot of those suckers are Christian, what's called uh, Scientology. (laughs) Do you know that where Scientology came from is that the founder of that, I think it was Ron Hubbard, literally sat down and wrote a science fiction book? And then they ended up basing a religion off of this? And they've got some kind of weird dinosaur dragon god that, I mean, eats your face off. I can't even remember what all the stuff is. These are pretty bright people. Some of them have, have Ivy League educations. I mean, but in the name, but, but what people, it's astounding what people believe in the name of religion. All the rituals, superstitions. Some of the other things that people say sometimes. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. People say that. I'm talking about there's no man that understandeth. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Where else in the world does that apply in life? It matters what your pilot believes if you're on a plane. What if he doesn't believe? What? I mean... What if he doesn't believe that, uh, that you actually need enough fuel to get to where you're going? What if, I mean, it matters what you believe. It matters what your doctor believes. It matters what people believe. They can be sincere. You can be sincere, but be sincerely wrong. But men are unreasonable. There's none that understandeth. Not only that, think about this. 
People say things like this. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Now, uh, just bear with me on this. Let's apply this to life. I'm turning over a new leaf. From this day forward, I'm doing better. That's not a bad thing to do. But now we're talking about in relationship to God Almighty here, okay? We're talking about righteousness with God, not just with man, but with God Almighty, with eternity. Imagine that you have a debt of $10,000 that you owe. And that you have now defaulted on your payments. You're not able to make your payments and uh, you're in trouble. But just imagine that you could sit down and you could write a carefully crafted email out to the bank and say, I just want you to know, bank, I'm turning over a new leaf in my ledger. From this day forward, if I borrow any money from you, bank, I'm going to pay it. Whatever I do. Now what is your bank's response probably going to be to that? Number one, you probably won't even get a response. You'll just get that same letter back in the mail saying, uh, by the way, we're about to start garnishing your wages. We're about to start coming after you if you don't pay this debt. And here's what I'm just simply trying to say. That's what people try to do with God. I mean, people try to just say, you know what, I'm going to start doing better from this day forward. But God's still saying, yeah, but what about all that you did before? See, can, 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 you, can you imagine someone standing before a judge being tried for a crime that he was caught red-handed for some felony? And the man's whole defense is, but your honor, I did pay my bills on time. Your honor, I do the speed limit. Your honor, I do all these other things right. But what you, it's just men are unreasonable. Uh, so it's amazing what people believe in the name of religion. It's amazing, number two, what people believe in the name of ideology. I won't say much about this, but in the 1930s, Germany was one of the most intellectual countries. Man, you talk about the universities of Germany, my goodness. I mean, brilliance. Scientific, mathematical genius. I mean, just high level. Philosophy. I mean, Germany, the intellect that they were turning out in the 30s. But these same people are the ones that justified not only exterminating people, you know, including, uh, what, close to 6, 7 million Jews, 10 million in the concentration camps all together with Christians and gypsies and others that were included in that. But they did experiments on these people. They, 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 they harvested the hair of the women they would kill and use it for, for products. Uh, you know, they, uh, they would use tattooed human skin for lampshades. I'm not talking about dummies. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about brilliant people that still are wicked before God. That they're just unreasonable. There's none that understandeth. I could say something about the, the macroevolution that's being pushed today to our children by atheists. I mean, I'm... T- Macroevolution, I'm talking about macroevolution here. I'm talking about Darwin's theories here that when you put them up to modern science, they're a joke. But in the name of atheism, in the name of denying God Almighty, people will continue to propagate this stuff. Okay, so quickly, men are unrighteousness, men are unreasonable. Number three, men are unresponsive. Notice the second part of verse 11. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. There is none that seeketh after God. The Bible says in Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. (laughs) 
Now you say, wait a second, preacher. I'm not so sure about that one. Because I've sought after God. After all, I came to this church or to another church and and I opened up my Bible and I turned on the Christian radio station, whatever it may have been. But let me tell you some good news. You may think that you're seeking after Him, but you're seeking after Him because He sought after you first. Amen? He's the one that takes the initiative. But the point is, in and of ourselves, man is unresponsive. Not only that, man is unrepentant. Notice verse 12. The Bible says, They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Remember, this is the context of God's righteousness. He goes on through verses 13 and 14, and he talks about the wicked words of men. Do you think what you say matters? Do you think words matter? Many of us were taught that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words can never hurt me. That's false. You look, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. It matters what you say. And mind yourself when it comes to this, the Bible says that every idle word will be given account of in the day of judgment. Every word. So verses 13 and 14 talk about men's wicked words. Verses 15 through 18 talk about men's wicked ways. Look at those with me quickly. The Bible says their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. What's the deal anyway? What's wrong with people? What is wrong with this world? The more advanced we get, World War I was not called World War I when they were fighting it. And World War I was not called World War I, try saying that five times fast, uh, after they were done. It was the Great War. But when it was done, you know what it was called? The war to do what? End all wars. Boy, we've learned our lesson after this terrible thing. And you look. You look at the de-evolution of, of, of society and of the world and the wars. Their, their, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction, verse 16. Destruction and misery are in their ways. I feel bad for communities, whole sections of our society that are in that, that their, their whole uh, landscape looks like destruction and misery, but they believe that the policies that have brought on that destruction and misery are for them somehow. Verse 17, the way of peace have they not known. The Bible goes on to say, there's no fear of God before their eyes. There's no fear of God before their eyes, which highlights another quick uh, thing I'll say about sin. Number one, it means to come short, but number two, it does mean to transgress. In other words, to cross the line. Uh, The transgressions of the law. You know, the Bible says, that the Ten Commandments, the Bible says that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Did you know that man is hopelessly religious? Did you know that the atheists and the agnostics of our society do have a God? And the God is man. And what people have now done is they have remade God in the image of man. There's idolatry. No graven image. Uh, The Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not take His name in vain. Don't take God's name in vain. Where does this one fit in? And I want to go right over here to the teens for just a moment. 
And there's some over here as well. Honor thy father and thy mother. One of the Ten Commandments. Ain't that something? Honor thy father and thy mother. And the Bible goes on to say, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Listen to your mom and dad. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Don't give lip and attitude and all this other junk. Honor your father and mother. But now, obviously, we want to go preach to the, the younger people on that. But how long are we supposed to honor our father and mother? I would say to the day we die, not to the day they die. Long after they're gone, we still need to honor our fathers and our mothers. As much as possible. And I know some maybe have fathers and mothers that aren't very honorable. But the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. Uh, we don't have to obey our father and mother. And by the way, if you're a parent of an adult married child, your, parent, your kids don't have to obey you. Amen? Uh, you remember that. They don't have to obey you, but they do need to honor you, okay? So, so uh, honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, by the way, if you hate your brother, you have murder in your heart. Because Jesus says, the, the, the law of the Ten Commandments, it's not about just what's on the outside, it's about what's on the inside. That's why he said, if you hate your brother... Look at all the brothers. You ever even look in the Bible at the brothers that killed one another and betrayed one another? It's all throughout the Scriptures, and we still see it today. He said, if you hate your brother, you've committed a, a murder in your heart. Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Because that sin comes to the heart of the matter. Uh, sin is not a light matter. Sin is no light matter at all. Um, so, uh, that thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, or lie, or deceive, thou shalt not covet. See, and as we think about this, how, how do you stack up with that holy standard when it comes to transgression? Have you ever violated any of those at all? But you say, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if I was, were to be honest, I would say maybe I've stolen something. Maybe I've told, told a little white lie. Where do you find that in the Bible, a white lie? It's a lie. Um, have you looked on a woman to lust after her or vice versa? Uh, and and, and I, I'll just say this. I believe David is the one that will give an account for his whole deal with Bathsheba. I believe he is the man. Uh, and maybe Bathsheba thought all the men were gone and so it was okay to be indecent on her housetop. I'm not sure. But I will just say I think it's worth saying that when Bathsheba was up nude on that housetop, I believe she is a little culpable too. And we live in a society, a society to where uh, immorality and immodesty is just on the rise. Um, and so, uh, but thou shalt not commit adultery. But notice this, I, I mentioned that. Have you ever broke any of those? Notice man's hopelessness, verse number 19. Verse number 19 here quickly. The Bible says, Now we know that, that what, the, what things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. See, here's the problem. Imagine you were ha hanging over a pit of fire, with a, a chain of ten links. Now imagine that it was only one of those links that was bad and broken. Every other link is indestructible. But you have one link in those ten links that isn't strong. You break one, what happens? You're still falling. 
And that's what God is saying here. You say, preacher, that sounds pretty hopeless. Well, it is from man's perspective. And man is pretty helpless. See, the law wasn't even necessarily given for us to keep. Now, don't get me misunderstand me there. We need to live a righteous life. But he says the purpose for the law in verse 19 was to teach us that we cannot live up to the holy standard of God. So the law then leads us to Christ. And I'm going to try to give you this um, in the last few points here because it's really uh, the, the good news. Amen? Because we see God's plan revealed in verse number uh, 21. The Bible says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets. I want to back up just a minute. Verse 21, those first two words, but now. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. I'm trying to paint a bleak picture and I can't paint it bleak enough because we do not understand how bad sin really is in the sight of God. We don't understand, Ralph, the holiness of Almighty God. We, don't, we, we can't quite comprehend it. But so I can't paint a bad enough picture, but I do want to tell you that was the bad news, but here's the good news. But now, God has a plan. God does love mankind. God does not love man's sin. I want a doctor, going back to that analogy, I want a doctor that loves me but don't love cancer. I don't, want to, I don't want to go to an oncologist that loves cancer. I just don't. I don't want to go to a, an oncologist that's an advocate for cancer and says cancer gets a bad rap. And why is everybody always so bad on cancer? That's not what kind of oncologist I want. That's what kind of people, that's what kind of God people want. No, I want a doctor that's about attacking it. See, we don't like to hear about sin. Do, I mean, the world, church, we don't like to hear about sin. We don't like to hear sin have names. <laughs> we, sometimes we're okay sometimes saying, God, I've sinned. If we can get that far, we're doing pretty good. But we need to start understanding and naming our sin a little bit. Amen? God has names for sin. Society changes the names for sin. Have you ever noticed that? Society changes the names. It still doesn't change that it's sin. God wants to get in there... He wants to get at it. And the first step at addressing cancer is we've got to face this head on. There's a major problem. We don't need to gloss over this because this is going to lead to serious trouble if we don't deal with it. That's what sin is. Sin is going to end up with eternal consequences if you don't uh, trust Christ. If you don't believe on the Lord, there is eternal consequences. We don't need to gloss over it and try to make people feel better, make ourselves feel better. God wants to bring it out into the open, but for one reason... To deal with it. To get rid of it. To forgive it. But now, he says, the righteousness of God. Notice what the Bible says, verses 22 and verse 23, real quickly. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all. Now, how many are sinners? All. How many have come short of the glory of God? Oh, now, how many uh, in this verse, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe Him. For there's no difference. There's a possibility that I could be, the hyper, uh, be a hyper-Calvinist if I didn't believe the Bible. 
But since I do therefore believe the Bible, I can't be a hyper-Calvinist. That's people that say, oh, God's picked some to be saved. He died for some, but not for others. And, and all of this stuff, man, it's a bunch of hogwash. All have sinned. There's an eternal, there's a universal problem. There's a universal answer. All, all, all. You say all means the elect. No, all means all. Amen. And so all, verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's, we, we think of that verse in the negative, but it's actually in the positive. It's saying God has, has provided righteousness to all because all have sinned. Now quickly, I'll try to give you a, a, an illustration or two and I'll try to conclude. But I don't want to rush too much to get you. I want to make sure you get this last part, okay? Because I want you to get the good news. All right? Here's one thing. Think about this. Our substitute. Now, I don't know. So, so here's Chad Wendell. He is a U16 baseball coach. And, uh, and, and we, got a, we got a good team. We got some good kids. But just imagine a scenario, boys, to where y'all get into a game and you're outmatched. I mean, son, you face another U16 team and you think they're U26. You're like, what's the deal? These guys are huge, they're strong, they're heavy hitters, they're hard throwers. And then here comes our kids, you know. Now, maybe they end up getting outmatched in that situation. But what if in this scenario, you know, so let's just put the boys up against a major league team. It's not going to go too well. Or a college team. Let's go college. A college baseball team. It's probably not going to go too well. By the way, the boys played, the U16 boys played the U18 boys the other night, and they played them to a tie. They just about beat them. Amen? But they did come short. Amen? They didn't do it. But still, they did a good job. But now, what if in the scenario that I'm given, if Chad is sitting there coaching, and that other team's up there pitching, and he's like, man, I'm not sure what we're going to, you know what? He looks over there and he looks down at number 27 sitting on the bench. Mike Trout. He says, uh, hey, I'm bringing in 27 for number 10. <laughs> bringing in 27 for number 10. Mike Trout, one of the greatest baseball players of our generation, maybe one of the best ever. Well, now things are going to be a little bit different. That's my alarm. Uh and then what, what? things are going to be a little bit different, aren't they? And what if comes time when it comes time to pitching, these boys get up to bat and Chad's looking at the pitcher and he's thinking, boy, they're kind of giving, they're, they're hitting him really hard. So he walks out and, and he comes out there and he gives the signal for a call to the bullpen and in comes Jacob DeGrom. And I'm sorry for you sports that don't follow baseball right now. Dude's got an ERA under one. I mean, I'm just talking about ridiculous. Things are going to be different. All I'm simply trying to say is this. You, the Bible talks about the righteousness of Christ. We stand before God and we're coming short. We stand before God and we're outmatched. That's why God gave us and offers us the righteousness of Jesus. So in other words, Jesus now comes to bat. Jesus comes up to pitch. Jesus, literally, the whole spirit of Romans chapter 8, where the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The spirit of that verse is literally, the for there is substitution. If God be in our place, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Which leads me to this next thing. So, he's, so Jesus, He became our substitute. 
Therefore, we're winners. Amen? Not because we're righteous, not because of our righteousness, but because of His righteousness. But not only that, I want to say something about, about justification. Notice Romans 3, 25. The Bible says, Whom God, he's talking about Jesus again, hath set forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness. Can I say this real quick? One reason it's wrong to gloss over sin and try to preach some universal uh, type salvation to where people don't need to trust Christ or whatever is because Jesus had to pay such a great, great price for sin and for our salvation. Our sin, your sin, don't you think your sin's light? Don't justify your sin. Look what it cost Jesus. He had to shed His blood. He's the propitiation. He's the substitute through faith in His blood. He literally had to shed His blood. But here's where it leads to, and I'll give this to you and be done. Verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified. Verse number 26, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that, it, that he might be just and the justifier. In 1930, there was a man by the name of George Wilson. George Wilson killed a federal employee that caught him robbing the mail. Uh, Wilson was tried and sentenced to be hanged. He was given a death sentence. Andrew Jackson, the sitting president, actually sent a pardon. He pardoned George Wilson of his crime. That's good news, isn't it? Only problem is, George Wilson refused to sign the pardon. George Wilson refused to accept the pardon. True story. The case went to the Supreme Court. Well, what are we going to do here? I mean... The President of the United States has pardoned the man, but the man is refusing the pardon. It went to the Supreme Court. So Chief Justice Marshall wrote the opinion, and here's what he said. A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the justifier. He shed His blood on Calvary's cross. He purchased your pardon. And by the way, anytime somebody tries to come up to me questioning the love of God because they're sentenced to death because of sin, i got a big argument with them. Because Jesus paid the ultimate price for them to be saved. He shed His blood for you. He died for you. God gave His Son for you. He signed your justification. Your job is to receive it. Amen? Otherwise, like the chief said, it's just words on paper if the man does not accept it. And so my question to you today is this. Have you accepted your pardon? Have you been justified? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith today? See, people try to do different things with their sin. Some people try to alibi their sin. Some people try to excuse their sin. But I'm telling you, sin needs to be addressed. Sin needs to be answered, admitted. Why? So that sin might be annihilated. And so as we all stand this morning, as you stand, I want to tell you about one final type of sin. And that is the sin 
not of transgression, not the sin of commission about what you do, but about what you don't do. Well, preacher, I haven't done anything, but have you accepted Christ? The greatest sin, perhaps of all, is the refusal to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would ask you today, you need to act. The papers have been signed. The price has been paid. But you need to accept Him today if you've not yet done so. Hey, are are you hanging on a chain of ten links with one of them that's weak? Don't you, listen, you want to know something? Every one of us have an appointment. Every one of us have an appointment to stand before a holy God. How will you stand there in that day? Will you stand justified, pardoned? Or will you stand there in your own righteousness? I hope that it'll be in His righteousness. You say, preacher, how can I make sure of that? How can I accept that certificate of pardon? You know how you do it? By accepting it. By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you believe today? You say, well, I believe in God. No, no, no. Will you put your faith entirely on what He did? That He died for your sins and He rose again the third day. Will you confess and repent of your sins today? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help each heart today. God, I appreciate the patience of all of these. I just pray that your message will get into the hearts of your people, get into the hearts of those that you want to be your people, which is all of us. And I pray, God, you'll just uh, work accordingly. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Let's sing one line of that song. And if God has worked on your heart in any way, the altar is open today. What's that number?